Welcome to Technovation, a weekly conversation with people who are shaping the technology landscape. I'm Peter High, president of MetaStrategy, advisor to technology executives, Forbes columnist, book author, and your host. Each episode of Technovation features insights from top executives and thought leaders at the intersection of business, technology, and innovation. If you like what you hear, we'd be grateful if you give us a rating on iTunes or through whatever other source you use for podcasts. And please subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Thank you. My guest this week is Roman Meta. Roman is the Chief Information Officer of Visteon, a $3 billion automotive supplier that spun off from Ford in 2000. While initially focused on numerous products ranging from seating to climate control, Visteon is now the only Tier 1 supplier focused exclusively on cockpit electronics. This shift entails transitioning from being a hardware-centric company to one built around software and emerging technologies. As CIO, Roman helps facilitate the shift by leading all facets of Visteon's global information technology. Prior to joining Visteon, Roman was the Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer at Fabrinet. In this interview, Roman discusses how IT has enhanced its role and gained the trust of the business. Historically, IT at Visteon had been great at solving problems it was presented with. However, it was never given a voice at the company's strategy or product roadmap table. That has changed, and the board and executive committee now has great confidence in the capabilities of IT, which has enabled that organization to take on a more strategic role. We also discuss Roman's take on 3D printing and autonomous driving, the tech landscape in Detroit, where Visteon's based, how the company is looking to turn its technology debt into a dividend, and a variety of other topics. Roman Mehta, thank you for joining me with Technovation. It's great to see you today. Thank you, Peter, for finally good to catch up with you after a long time. <laughs> That's right. We've been planning this for some time. I've certainly very much been looking forward to it. Uh, I thought we'd begin, uh, Roman, with... Vistion, the company that you are the chief information officer for, I'd love to get into get into your role in a moment. But maybe for those of uh, our listeners who are less familiar with your company, you can describe it in your own words. Absolutely. So Vistion is what we call traditionally a tier one automotive supplier. And the moment I talk tier one, I actually take a pause because what is a tier one these days? You know, uh, if you see, Intel paid fifteen point four billion dollars just two years back for a company named Mobileye. And at that point, their revenues were $350 million. So what's happening is this whole automotive landscape is changing drastically. So Visteon used to be a much bigger company into a lot of products, seating, climate control, interiors. And what we've done in the last two years or so, we made a conscious decision to move into cockpit electronics. And so think about being in the right time at the right place, it actually happened to us. The whole world is moving towards autonomous driving. And we being in the cockpit, working with pretty much all the major OEMs, gives us a shot to play in that space. So today, we are a $3 billion company with uh, pretty much every part of the world. We have either an engineering center or a plant uh, with over 10,000 employees. And uh, we are a very vibrant company. Uh, what I see, we are transitioning from an old hardware-centric company to a company that's betting our future on software. So for me, it's been a very rewarding experience uh, being at Vistion, uh, directly reporting into our CEO, who's a great technologist. And uh, we have a lot of energy, and uh, we are looking to how we can take this journey of our talent that we have who has a lot of autom uh, automotive knowledge and convert them into the new economy. 
That's wonderful. What what an interesting space. And as you articulated, Roman, um, IT is not the only part of the organization that has technology talent. As you, as you point out, even your CEO is a technologist. Um, talk a bit about your purview as CIO and the value that IT creates in an organization that more broadly has such a sea of technology talent. So I'll probably start with uh, traditional role. Uh, when I began in this journey, we had a lot of technology debt. Vistion, like other tier one suppliers, had not invested heavily due to bankruptcy and all the market forces that were there. And our job was first to really convert the debt into a dividend. You know, do what you're supposed to do and do it really well. So I had to do some major changes in my first one year. I look at our infrastructure. Uh, how are we managing our networks? All of those traditional things we had to move at a very, very fast pace. And soon we earned the credibility with our business that this team can move very, very fast. We speak business language and that gave us a shot to play at what I call the what versus how. You know, traditionally IT have been very good with the how part of it. You know, you give me a problem, I'll roll up my sleeve and I'll get it done. But we were never at the seat of the table where the company is looking at the product roadmap, at the boardroom where we are making the decision. So our challenge was to get involved, earn the credibility, and be part of the innovation cycle of the company. So in my third year right now, we are focusing on how can we make our four or 5,000 engineers a lot more productive? How can I take their day-to-day IT-related stuff out of their radar and let them focus on the best quality customer delivery for their software that they're working on. So we are getting heavily involved. I work uh, very closely with our senior VP of product development. In fact, uh, now I'm designated as the DevOps lead for the overall Vistion, which is a very high degree of confidence that our board, our executive committee has in the capabilities of IT. So that's our journey. We have taken care of our uh, day-to-day operations, make them resilient. And now we are moving into where IT can actually impact favorable business outcome. Mm. As you think about the modernization that's required, I really like that the way you put it, turning technical debt uh, into a technical dividend. Um, As you think about the kind of people, process, technology implications of what that describes. Can you give a couple examples maybe of, of, of uh, how you've undertaken that? That's a great example. Uh, let, let's start with a couple of good stories here. Yeah. Uh, when we began, our infrastructure was very, very fragmented. We had multiple vendors. The number one thing I did at Vistion, I said, we don't have vendors. We have partners. Everybody who's working with us has to bring some best practices to the table. And by that, sometimes you have to actually boil the ocean. You have to rip and replace the whole thing. And you have to be willing to spend less to get more out of it. But there was a fear factor as to where you touch because the systems were so fragmented and so fragile. So we wanted to make sure that we start to bring some of the newer technology and tools into our infrastructure. So when people talk about... uh, digital transformation. I think to me, it's a very simple thing. The one part that people get very easily is doing different things. By what what we mean is you are working on better products. 
you are taking your products and extending their revenue cycle into services. Everybody gets it. You are trying to get a 360 degree view of your customer. But to do things, different things, you have to do things differently. And that's the part people don't get. So to make that journey enabled, we had to make a lot of changes into IT infrastructure. So a simple example would be that even our service desk, it used to take us 24 hours before people can put into the right category. Now with artificial intelligence and machine learning, the systems are learning by themselves. And within the ticket creation, it goes out to the right queue. You can really look at all the SLAs, the not just the user experience, but the customer experience. We have totally different set of metrics now. And that gives us to focus on the right thing. Second example would be that uh, uh, couple of years back, our network was very, very fragmented. We had multiple providers and we were heavily into those high-priced fixed MPLS lines. We made a big bet for a manufacturing company of our size that actually works as far as Brazil, China, Japan. We made a full bet to move to SD-WAN with a single provider. In fact, in Europe, we had a data center a couple of years back, which was running no application workload. It was just mediating the network traffic between different providers. So from that world to bring into a modern network where internet has become our corporate network. And what that does is as we move into autonomous driving, our CTO organization is coming to us now saying, how can we take all this data that we are collecting from these autonomous vehicles on the road and bring that into the cloud. And we were perfectly positioned for that. Before it would have taken, hey, come CIT in six months. Now we are ready. So those kind of success stories are helping to instill a lot of confidence in my team and my business company. I'm curious also, uh, what's your perspective on the pace with which autonomous driving is going to to happen. There's a lot of pontification from venture capitalists, from companies like like yours that are uh, steering, uh, uh, pun intended, uh, towards this reality. Uh, how, how far do you think we are? Well, I'll give you my perspective. Yeah. Uh, everybody thought the autonomous driving, the what people thought level four, level five, in all conditions, everywhere, was around the corner. We feel it's going to take a lot longer. What's imminent right now is the safety-driven autonomous, the user experience-driven autonomous driving. In certain cases where things are much more controlled, the use cases are well-defined, what I what we call level 2 plus or level 3, those are going to come in a very, very short period of time. We already see them happening. But the full autonomy, I think that's going to take a lot longer. So the use cases that are being uh, driven are driven by the safety of the consumer on the road. How can you create these uh, lane changing systems that are not dependent on the traditional rule based logic that was more of camera and radar based. Now we are trying to bring more of artificial intelligence into the cockpit. You are monitoring the surrounding areas of the car. So the driver is taking lot less control in level two plus. And the systems are smart enough. They're learning from the algorithms. And what we have now going is the sensor fusion. In automotive, the safety is the number one thing. So you need multiple inputs before you 
issue a control signal. You need, you need to have a fail-safe. And I think now, with the computing power becoming much readily available with the GPUs and a lot of things happening on the cloud, 5G coming on the door, uh, knocking on the door, I think now I think there's a very good pathway into L2 plus level 3 driving, which I think should become uh, pretty much mainstream very, very, uh, in a very short period of time. Interesting. You, um, you, your company and you uh, work out in Detroit, yes. where we're doing this interview today. And I wonder if you could talk a bit about um, the this marketplace for IT talent. Um, how have you built your team, and and uh, uh, what, what what how do you typify kind of the evolution of of the city as a as a tech hub? I think Detroit has become a very vibrant place. I mean, I've lived here for a long time, and I can see the energy in the last four or five years. And uh, there's a very good ecosystem of all the universities around here. University of Michigan, in, uh, Michigan State University, a lot of tech talent. What I also like, uh, people with a lot of automotive domain knowledge. You cannot substitute for that. You need people who understand the safety implications, who understand how these things have a long, long life cycle. You know, you, you have to talk from inception all the way to 10 years of warranty, how do you make that happen in a relatively risk-free manner where you're getting a lot of competition from the Teslas of the world? And how do you harvest that talent, bring some of the newer skills like machine learning, artificial intelligence, and apply to this domain? I think that's where, uh, I think we are very fortunate here. And plus, you know, we are very open to finding talent anywhere uh, we can, you know, we have a, a big engineering center in, in India. We've got a couple of big centers in uh, uh, Sofia. Uh, we are very big in Germany. We have opened up a big center in uh, Cuartero, Mexico. So depending on where the needs are, and we are truly a global company. So it doesn't really matter where you find the talent. Mm. And our goal is to make Vistion a fun place. And I, I'll give an example. Uh, with all the improvements that we made in our network, our next desired state was how do we make these 5,000 engineers collaborate with each other? We made a big bet, and as a company, all of our employees are on Microsoft Teams now. And we have smart boards where engineers like to draw. They cannot have a meeting without drawing. An engineer sitting in Karlsruhe, Germany, can talk to his or her counterpart in Michigan, and they can be sharing the same digital whiteboard. And it can continue, the meeting can continue, after the meeting ends, you have the, all the notes. So it makes the collaboration much, much easier. We want to rely less and less on emails, but more on the human interactions, save all this body of knowledge. So anytime you onboard a new person, they are part of the problem solving from day one. There's no ramp up time. So that really helps us a lot. That's really interesting. There's a quote on your uh, LinkedIn page that says, uh, Netflix them before you get blockbusted. And if I may interpret that, you'll let me know if I'm doing so incorrectly, uh, Ramon. But uh, the idea is one needs to modernize. One can't rest on the laurels of the accomplishments of past years or even current state for very long, uh, or else uh, innovators will, will eat your lunch in essence. And I'm curious, as an IT leader, how do you think about future-proofing your organization in a way such that you will not be blockbusted? Definitely. So, you know, traditionally... The big industrial and automotive companies had a lot of barriers to the entry. You know, their product life cycles were long. 
uh, the switching costs were very, very high. But as more and more products become digital, where people want personal experience, the barrier to entries are really just dismantling. So in that world, your next competition may be somebody sitting in a garage with a better algorithm. So we want to really tailor ourselves to get ahead of that curve. So one thing that we are doing, we are really big on what I call DevSecOps, where that becomes power culture. Now that's a very underrated thing from a customer-facing perspective. But if you can improve the quality of software delivery at a lower cost and in a compressed time frame, you can go out to your customer much more often and your product can live beyond when you manufacture it. Over there upgrades to, can keep your product growing. So we want to create all that ecosystem in our tool. We want to look at our manufacturing in a totally different way. We want to look from our tool set, which takes from product engineering to production engineering in a very seamless journey. And it lives beyond the sale has been made. We want to bring the experience of our users into our product development life cycle. And from the get-go, we are defining products that the customers want. The digital products, the good part is that you have a lot of configurability and bad part is you've got a lot of configurability. <laughs> but it never ends. Right. And people want the same experience, what they want on their iPhones and their tablets. They don't want to buy a car. They want to buy my car. So that's the level of personalization. So as a company, so that we don't get blockbusted, I'm trying to change the mindset that don't think of bill of material. Think of bill of features. Keep your features shelf ready. To the platform thinking, you look at the customer, their willingness to pay, and then you assemble the predefined features that are proven to work, they are safety conscious, they have a good performance, and then you assemble them together. And you know, so we keep an eye on what's happening in the marketplace. To give an example, uh, Android and automotive was not really well embedded just a year, 18 months back. Now we are moving, it has become front and center for all our infotainment products. And what we are doing basically, we are trying to create as the powertrain becomes electrified, you want to put more and more of these, uh, what we call the electronic control units into consolidated controllers. So you can drive the same chip to have multiple domains uh, running from minimal number of CPU cycles that you can get. All of those things you have to think through and plan in a platform way so that you are avoiding getting disrupted. Very interesting. Part of what you're suggesting, uh, Rahman, appears to be that you know change is going to be the one constant. And uh, it's human nature to uh, seek the stable to to crave uh, a certain way of doing things and having that be uh, you know repeated again and again and again change isn't something that comes natural to us as a better way of putting it how do you think about from a cultural perspective um, preparing your organization for this reality that they can't get sort of settled at any point but rather that that change will continue exactly I think what I'm a firm believer that the fear doesn't kill you it's the complacency that gets you. So we always want to be on our toes, looking at what's happening 
And we want to become a company or an IT team that does not really focus on the output. We want to focus on the outcomes. That's a big change in our thinking, you know. So everybody has got to get aligned with the business. You have to speak their language. So that's a culture change, you know. You cannot be isolated because we are an integral part of our product strategy now. IT has fundamentally changed the way we design our products, the way we go out to our customers, the way we interact, the way we exchange information with our customers. Some of our customers become our suppliers because of the ecosystem. They are supplying a module to their own product. So how does IT keep up to date with that? It's basically you have to be adding whatever, what innovation can I drive? So what we want to make sure that everybody carries a brand. You've got your day job, which is good. But what is, what do people know about you? Who's your customer? Know your customer. The moment you solve that problem, you are closer to the business. And I think only good things can come out of that. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. You've also been a, um, a CIO three times now. Of course, now at Vistion, before that at uh, Fabernet for, for a couple of years, you were at EWE. Uh, as chief information officer, actually also as chief process architect. Uh, I'm curious now across this, this, this uh, tenure at multiple companies, how you've seen the role itself evolve. Um, to talk a bit about that. Sure. So this is my third tour of duty as a CIO. <laughs> and I've been very fortunate. Uh, I think the way it's evolved, uh, I remember 10 years back, it was more of a play on hey, IT as a service as a cost center, uh, make sure that the lights are running and you know your systems are humming along. From that, it's kind of gone full circle. And it's kind of, you know, I see the role from a chief information officer to a chief influence officer and all the way to a chief innovation officer. And that's where I think uh, it all comes together. One thing I have done is every time you have to have a playbook. You learn from your experiences on a day one, you exactly know which path to go on. And I've been very fortunate to develop some very strategic relationship with our partners. That's one thing that I think uh, we bring to the table, that if if we are dealing with a partner, we are bringing more of that partner to my enterprise. And that really helps big time. The second thing that I, I've seen uh, in terms of the evolution is that uh, uh, the CIOs are becoming really looked up as the innovation engine. You know, all the companies have a lot of data and we are trying to see how we can harvest the data. And I see as, as we've evolved, your job as CIO has become more of a broker because all your application, your workload can run in the cloud. Now, how do you integrate that in your company's workflow is the real trick here. So we have become a company, my own journey from thinking about cloud to, I don't even say cloud first these days. We just say cloud because the moment you say first in your head, you are thinking second, third. (laughs) Right, right. So that's where I think it's become a much more, I think we've become uh, outcome driven. Uh, We are driving the product strategies. Uh, We are talking to our counterparts in uh, C-suite. Uh, I'm very fortunate. I, to me, the real success of a CIO is when your sales teams comes to you and they think that you can compress their life 
you know, their sales pursuit. That's a big victory. Yeah. So we tell our sales counterpart that all things being equal, the cost of bill of material and manufacturing cost, what additional value Vistion IT can give to a premium OEM? That's where the light bulbs go on. But hey, we can exchange defects with you in real time. We have done it with other customers. Here's the workflow. Here's the report on every morning that can come to you. Here's the view of our factory. Here's what we're still doing about IoT, how we're making our smart factory smarter. And that's where I think this uh, the journey completes, where you become the boundaries between an IT becomes completely blurred. Sometimes I'm in, I'm in meetings and if I join late, people say, are you uh, VP of supply chain? Because you have to make an effort to understand that business. In my team, there's a standing rule that if some, somebody is within one hour of a plant on a company visit, you better spend some time at the plant. Because that's where you get the perspective. That's where you see the real life as to what we are building, what kind of pressure the supply chain, the operation people have. I mean, some of our manufacturing execution systems, the latency time between different operations are like three, four, five milliseconds. So look at the resiliency of a system that's working three shift has to be top rated and that's where the light bulbs go on. That's very interesting. I want to close with a question about trends. We've talked about a number of them. There, of course, is the trend of autonomous uh, driving, which is the centerpiece of your business. Generally speaking, you've talked about your your passion and depth and deep learning as well as artificial intelligence. Um, what other trends excite you as you look to the future, Roman? Sure. We are looking at a couple of trends that I think are going to benefit us in very near real time. Uh, one of them is really uh, the 3D printing. I think uh, it's gone beyond prototyping now. And I think with the uh, extended supply chain, this is actually a game changer. You know, your raw material is basically a digital file. You know, so I think we are watching that very, very uh, closely with our manufacturing counterparts. Uh, second thing that we are seeing is the deep learning, uh, what I call the very specialized AI, are coming mainstream with uh, newer framework like TensorFlow, Keras. We are using them day in and out. I mean, we are working on a cockpit voice assistant, which can work in a non-connected way, which is automotive domain knowledgeable. And it's all basically, you know, taking different voice samples and using some of these LSTM models and training it and compressing it in a very small footprint that it can live in one of our uh, smart core domains. So that is a very, very uh, a trend that is going to have impact on our business. Another discipline of deep learning that is very fascinating to me is the uh, reinforced learning, where you don't teach the computer. It looks at, it interacts with the environment, and based on the reward, it develops its own algorithm. So think of it in the autonomous driving, it is impossible to plan for every scenario. You cannot look for every stop sign, every aggressive driver, when they are merging, when they are getting off the ramp. There are so many infinite number of combinations. What if you take these scenes of driving and feed into an algorithm and it learns that what is the behavior that gets penalized? Don't do that. What gets rewarded and that's how the humans learn. So I think that's becoming much more mainstream. It requires a lot of data. Uh, not many companies have those many actual 
physical miles that they have driven for to training their models. We are looking into synthetic data, and this is where all of these deep learning technologies are going to play a significant role in our journey. Hmm. So we are very excited about it. Uh, I talked to our CTO. Uh, we are giving them a framework where they take the lead on the business side of it, and IT gives them all the required plumbing in terms of how to move that humongous data, how to create the data life cycle from hard, cold to archival. All of those problems we are solving in conjunction with our business part, and that's what makes this journey so much worthwhile. Very interesting. Well, Rahman Mehta, thank you so much for taking time today on Technovation, explaining a bit about your career as a CIO, your current stop at Visteon, and the fascinating work that you and your team are undertaking there. It's been a great conversation. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate your time. Thanks for tuning in. Please join me on Thursday for a special bonus episode featuring Anima Anand Kumar, the Director of Machine Learning Research at NVIDIA and a professor at Caltech.